0: Effective living with Reverend Henry Hubert. May you be blessed as you listen. Now, the message. I started a teaching on restoration. Restoration is God's compensation plan to ensure that whatever His children lose is replaced. It is God giving you back what you lost. Everything that children of God lose, God's intention is to replace it. And so restoration is a very, very important mystery in the kingdom of God because it is the only thing that ensures that every child of God continues to enjoy the blessings of God constantly. Restoration is important because the devil is always working around the clock to steal what belongs to children of God. To take from people what is theirs. Jesus calls him the thief. He said the thief comes not but to steal, to kill, and to destroy. John chapter 10 verse 10. So he comes to steal. And there are many ways he does that. It takes from your hands what is yours. So, restoration is that divine replacement that takes place in the lives of children of God. The good thing about restoration is that it gives you a better version of what you lost. So, because of that, it is important that If you are a child of God, you shouldn't be scared of losing what God gives you. If it really came from God, God will protect it. And even if you lose it, God will replace it. God will replace it. And I pray for you in the name of Jesus. If there is anything you have lost that the devil took from you, God is going to replace it. There will be a restoration in your life in the name of Jesus. Restoration doesn't mean always getting back exactly what you have lost. But restoration means that what you lost shall be replaced. Praise the Lord. And it shall be replaced with something far better than what you lost. So three reasons why we lose things, certain things sometimes. Three reasons. The first reason is our ignorance. Sometimes certain things get lost in our hands because of our ignorance. When you are ignorant, you make wrong decisions, you make mistakes. When you are ignorant, Satan can manipulate and deceive you to do the wrong things that will make you lose all the good things in your life. And every one of us here, there are things we've done that we've regretted for. But that is human. As we grow and we, we know better, there are things we look back and we wish We knew the things we know now. We wouldn't have done it. But I like one thing about God. As soon as he sees that you have matured, and now you have the wisdom and the ability to handle that which you lost, he replaces that which you lost. Because he knows you have become wiser. You know better. And that is why if you are a child of God, don't live the rest of your life in regrets over mistakes of your past. Don't live the rest of your life in regrets over the mistakes of your past. The mistakes of your past are lessons for the present. Learn from the mistakes you made and move on. You are not the only one who made mistakes. Everybody has made mistakes before. You cannot live the rest of your life in regrets, accusing yourself, condemning yourself. No. God will bring you new opportunities again. So the only thing you must not do is refuse to learn from the lessons of the past. As long as you have learned lessons, you are ready for God to give you new opportunities. I see new opportunities coming for you. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. You know, I used to hear a very popular statement. They said, opportunity comes but once. That is not in the Bible. It doesn't come but once. Don't be deceived. That is uh, somebody's uh, opinion. If you are a child of God, Once you become wiser, you learn your lessons, you move forward, and you look forward to the next opportunity. So we lose a lot of things because we are naive and childish. We make wrong decisions, and the mistakes of those decisions cause a lot of precious things to slip out of our fingers. And that is why restoration is a very, very powerful mystery to the child of God that God knows that you will need his intervention for that which you have lost. So the number one reason why we lose certain things is because of our ignorance. The second reason why we lose very good things is because we don't value it. If God gives you something and you don't value it, you lose it. And the reason why God makes you lose it is so that you can value it. Jesus said, Do not give that which is holy to the dogs. In other words, God hates waste. God doesn't want to give you anything precious. You misuse it and abuse it. So if God gives you something very valuable and precious, he watches to see how you use it. You know, in the parable of the talents, Jesus said, this man was traveling. He gave five talents to one, two talents to another, one talent to to another person. The person who had five talents traded with it and got five more. The person who had two talents traded with it and had two more. The person who had one talent took it, looked at it, and buried it on the ground. Jesus said, when the master came, he took the one talent from the person he gave it to and gave it to the person who had the five. Now, what are the reason? Value. If God gives you anything and you don't value it, he takes it from you and waits until the day you value it, he gives you back. The third reason why children of God lose certain precious things is because that particular thing becomes too small. It becomes too small. Sometimes in life, you outgrow certain places. You become bigger than certain things you have. And God looks at you and said, I want to give you something bigger than that. So there are seasons in our life that things happen like a misfortune. We lose precious things. But the only reason why God allowed it is because he wants to give you something bigger and better and greater. God always is an advocate for restoration. That's what I wanted to see. God is always an advocate for restoration. Let's look at Exodus 22 from verse 1 to 4. It says, if a man steals an ox or a sheep and slaughters it or sells it, he shall restore five oxen for an ox and four sheep for a sheep. If the thief is found breaking in and he is struck so that he dies, there shall be no guilt for his bloodshed. That is not the law today, by the way. <laughs> if the sun rises on him, there shall be guilt for his bloodshed. He should make rest- full restitution. If he has nothing, then he shall be sold for his theft. If the theft is certainly found alive in his hand, whether it is an ox or donkey or sheep, he shall restore double. Praise God. That means that according to the law of Moses, God said, if you catch a thief red handed, maybe let, let's say you caught him taking one chair, he didn't take the chair away, you caught him red handed. Take the chair from him, but he must still provide one more chair as punishment for stealing. Verse 1. But if he wasn't caught red handed, and then they investigate and found out that it is this guy who stole the ox or sheep. He has already slaughtered and sold it. He must restore five oxen for an ox and four sheep for a sheep. That means God's principle for restoration is that anything lost is replaced with a greater quantity than what was stolen. The mystery of restoration is that you're always getting more than what you lost. So sometimes God wants to give you more. He makes you lose one so you can get more. Now, we will also read Proverbs six thirty-one. Okay, let's read from verse 30. It says, people do, do not despise a thief if he steals to satisfy himself when he is starving. Yet when he is found, he must restore sevenfold. He may have to give up all the substance of his house. The Bible says that if somebody is hungry and then out of hunger, he steals to satisfy his hunger, it should be an... Something understandable, isn't it? Sometimes hunger can make people do all sort of things. You, are, you know what I'm talking about, isn't it? But the Bible says, even on the grounds of hunger, if you steal to eat and you are caught, you must restore. You must restore seven times. Even if it means selling everything you have. So he may have to give up all the substance of his life. That means you may have to sell everything you have, but restoration, you have to do it. You know, the scriptures reveal God's mind concerning how important restoration is. And the reason why God put his laws for the Israelites was to deter people from stealing. Was to deter people from what? Taking other people's belonging. Taking what does not belong to you. So, restoration was an indirect punishment, hallelujah, yeah, to deter people from stealing. Because when there is no stealing in the system, people's assets are safe. But the sad thing is, even if people are deterred from stealing, Satan, dear, nothing stops him from stealing. It's always stealing all the time. Stealing people's belongings and blessings all the time. So God Himself became the advocate for restoring that which his children will lose. All right. Two more scriptures. Let's read Matthew chapter 5, verse 40. Matthew 5, verse 40. He said, if anyone wants to sue you and take away your tunic, let him have your cloak also. And whoever compels you to go one mile, go with him too. Jesus said, there is nothing anybody would take from you that cannot be replaced by God. Jesus said, sometimes it's not worth it fighting with people who want to even steal what is yours. Now, why why would Jesus say such a thing? Because of the mystery of restoration. That there are times when you just have to let go. And expect God to bring a replacement. Because sometimes you can find yourself in such an unjust system that no matter how legitimate your case is, somebody will still find ways and means to forcefully take away from you that which is yours. Jesus said, in such a case, let it go. Yeah, and the reason why he said let it go is because God is able to give you better. God is able to give you better. There is nothing that is lost in a child of God's life that is lost forever. Hallelujah. Okay, so we'll read Isaiah 42, verse 22. What's happening to... But this is a people robbed and planted. All of them are snared in holes and they are hidden in prison houses. They are for a prey and no one delivers. For plunder, and no one sees restore. Now Isaiah was prophesying about the plight of the Israelites at a particular time when they were in captivity and they were going through all manner of harassment from the enemies. Isaiah described a situation, hallelujah, and said these are people robbed and plundered. To plunder somebody means to ransack the person." Until he's bankrupt. Hallelujah. And sometimes children of God can go through exploitation. Everything that is yours. Somebody wants to take it from you. They will use fraudulent mechanisms. They will use all manner of devilish tactics. Deceive you, defraud you, manipulate you. Do all manner of things and take everything from you. That these uh, people plundered, robbed, and plundered. All of them are snared in holes. To be snared means to be trapped. Hallelujah! Yeah, and the sad thing in life is that there are times in your life, the little you have, somebody is angry about it. You know, Satan will, pr- Satan will position p- people around you who are so full of envy. They hate to see you and join in celebrating the blessing of God. They want to take it from you. And they are hidden in prison houses. They are for a prey and no one delivers. For plunder and no one says restore. Isaiah's greatest complaint is that the people were being plundered and no one was crying for restoration. No one was crying for restoration. But I believe that it is the right of every child of God to cry to God for restoration. Amen? Yeah. You cannot stop people sometimes from defrauding you, but you can call upon God for restoration. Hallelujah. You cannot stop certain things from being wrongfully taken from you, but you can always demand restoration from God. Let's go to Genesis 22, and let's take an a case. Genesis 20, sorry. Genesis 20. Genesis 20. Let's read from verse 1. And Abraham journeyed from there to the south and dwelt between Kadesh and Shor and stayed in Gera. Now Abraham said of Sarah, his wife, she is my sister. And Abimelech, king of Gerah, sent and took Sarah. Recently, I was talking on a very important subject. Truths. One of the the topics I like to talk about these days. Truth. And the big question in that presentation I was doing is: who is a liar? But the truth is, we've all lied before, haven't we? Sometimes you can't help it. See Father Abraham. Survival. Because if he had said, she's my wife, he would have died. He would have died. So he said, she's my sister. It's better to lose my wife and still be alive than to die. Because even if, I, even if I die, I'll still lose her anyway. Praise the Lord. In both cases, there's a loss. But one is better lost than the other. One is you are dead and you lost the, the woman. The other one is you are alive and you lost the woman. Abraham said, I'll be alive. I'll call on God. For restoration, hallelujah. So Abraham said, she is my sister. So the king, quickly, Abraham's wife was beautiful. Amen. Sarah was beautiful. So, and in those days, all the beautiful ladies in the neighborhood belonged to the king. You dare not try it. You are dead. There's nothing like human rights. So quickly, the king, the king heard that there's uh, some pretty... Lady in the area, he sent the soldiers quickly, bring her to the palace. No questions. There's nothing like, I like you, will you marry me or not? By force. But I can bet you that since the day they took Abraham's wife, he wasn't sleeping. I believe he was praying. Say, Lord, you know I had to lie to save my life. You are not going to leave me like this. For them to take my wife away. Do something. I can't do anything about this, but you, Lord, do something. Hallelujah. Because sometimes there's nothing you can do to help the situation. But God can do everything about it. That's why I always encourage people, stop trusting your own effort and human ability and trust God. He can do better. He can fight for you verse 3 But God came to Abimelech in a dream by night and said to him Indeed you are a dead man you are a dead man because of the woman you have taken for she is a man's wife That means God understood that Abraham had to lie to save his neck So God went past the lie to preserve his wife from being taken from him. So is Abraham a righteous man? Yes, he's a righteous man. Is he a liar? No, he's not a liar. A liar is somebody who consistently lives a life of deception. He's lying all the time about everything. But when you find yourself in a situation like Abraham and you have to say, no, he's not my wife, he's my sister, that doesn't make you a liar. Because, you know, these self-righteous religious people would have called Abraham an ungodly man. But this is God talking for him. Let's read on. You'll see more. But Abimelech had not come near her. And he said, Lord, will you slay a righteous Nation also, did he not say to me, She is my sister? And she, even she herself, said, He is my brother. In other words, Sarah too supported that is a good wife. I said, That is a good wife. Uh-huh. Because if Sarah has said, No, he's lying, he is my husband, the king would have finished Abraham. So If you are not married to a good woman, you won't live long. Marry a woman who will make the greatest sacrifice to keep you alive. So the question now is, Abimelech and Abraham, who is more righteous? No, Abimelech, did he he do something wrong? No. He was innocent. He didn't know this lady is Abraham's wife. Did he? No, the man said, she's my sister. The woman said, he's my brother. So the king was innocent. The guy who lied, according to our religious, um, how do you call it, evaluation, is more ungodly, isn't it? And yet, when God showed up, he told Abimelech, you are dead. He said, hey, you are, it's not like you are about to die, you are already dead, man. He said, hey. You have taken somebody's wife, you are dead. Like you are dead. Verse 5. In the integrity of my heart and innocence of my hands, I have done this. That is Abimelech. But that was not the case in God's eyes. In other words, God looks at the motive behind what people do. People judge your actions. God judges the motive behind your actions. So sometimes somebody may be smiling at you, and as far as you are concerned, is a good guy. But God looks behind the smile and sees a lot of poison. Yeah, somebody may just take a nice phone, iPhone, and give it to you. And we say, yeah, that guy is a good man. But God is looking at why the guy gave you the iPhone. But there are strings attached to the phone which you cannot see physically. And those strings are about to tie your hands. Maybe I'm advising somebody I don't know. Who? What, what, what can you say about this? thing? I didn't plan talking about all these things. <laughs> you know, when you become religious, you are so judgmental. When you are spiritual, you are very discerning. You are very discerning. That's what separates boys from men. Praise the Lord. Yeah. You are very discerning. You are very discerning. Abimelech said, I did this in the innocence of my heart. God said, no. You are guilty and you will die. Verse verse 6. And God said to him in a dream, yes, I know that you did this in the integrity of your heart. For I also withheld you from sinning against me. Therefore, I did not let you touch her. Now, therefore, restore the man's wife. For he is a prophet. (laughs) The guy who lied, he is a man of God. So the lie didn't take away his office as a man of God. The lie he told did not take away his office. God said, he lied, but if you don't return his wife, you will die. He is a prophet, and he will pray for you, and you shall live. In other words, as far as I'm concerned, you are dead, but if you want to live, go to Abraham for prayer. But if you do not restore her, know that you shall surely die. Not only you Everybody including those who have no, nothing to do with this conspiracy, everybody will die in the house. Everything you have lost will be restored. Now, whilst these things are happening in the dream, this is, all that you are, we are reading is in a dream. Oh. Abimelech is dreaming. But I'm sure around this same time, Abraham was not sleeping. He was going up and down. Lord, don't let that man touch my wife. <laughs> Actually, touch my beautiful wife. Lord, if he tried, kill him. If he tried to touch my wife, oh Lord, kill him. I would have prayed that like I would have prayed like that. With all this anointing on me, you take my wife, and I'll say, Oh, and she. there'll be turned down fire. (laughs) I believe Abraham was praying. Say, Lord, if this guy goes near my wife, kill him. Kill him kill him, let him die. And the interesting thing I want you to see here is that it was God who told Abimelech, restore. The first time the word restore was used in the Bible. It was here. God said the circumstances surrounding the case is irrelevant. Whether Abraham lied, whether he did something wrong, it is not important. The important thing is that a child of God, whatever belongs to him, must not be lost. It shall be restored. It shall be restored. Then, verse eight. So Abimelech rose early in the morning. What else will you do if you have such a dream? You must wake up early at dawn. Called all his servants and told all these things to their hearing, and the men were very much afraid. And Abimelech called Abraham and said to him, what have you done to us? How have I offended you that you have brought on me and on my kingdom a great sin? You have done this to me that ought not to be done. Then Abimelech said to Abraham, what did you have in view that you have done this thing? And Abraham said, because I thought surely the fear of God is not in this place and they will kill me on account of my wife. But indeed, she is truly my sister. She is the daughter of my father, but not the daughter of my mother. And she became my wife. Abraham, shut up. (laughs) Abraham, shut up. God God is settling the matter. Shut up. Verse 13. And it came to pass, when God caused me to wander from my father's house, that I said to her, this is your kindness that you shall do for me. In every place wherever we go, say of me, he is my brother. Then Abimelech took sheep along this one. Now, when God said to Abimelech, Restore Abraham's wife, he didn't just send the lady, go alone. He wanted to do something that will make Abraham pray for him. Because you remember, his whole life and the life of his whole household was now in Abraham's hands. And if he doesn't treat Abraham well, Abraham will not pray. And the death sentence is still standing. So Abimelech took sheep and oxen and male and female servants and gave them to Abraham. And he restored Sarah, his wife, to him. So Abraham lost his wife, one woman. He got back his wife plus sheep. Oxen, male and female servant. That means employees. People, go and work for this guy. So Abraham got back many, many much more than what he lost. So when restoration is taking place in your life, you always get more than what you lost. And somebody here, I don't know what you lost, but God is about to restore. Yeah, God is about to restore. And he's going to give you better. Much, much, much better. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. It's going to give you much, 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 much better. I see it happening in your life. I see it happening in your life. I see it happening in your life. All right. So, let's get down to business. Satan is the thief, he steals our time, which we have dealt with already. He steals our health. He steals our assets and our wealth. He steals our glory. He steals our vision. He steals our valuable relationships. God will restore lost time in your life. I said God will restore lost time in your life. And last, last two weeks, I said that the one way, one way God restores lost time is to accelerate you. And somebody here, I see the Lord accelerating you. In Jesus' name, stop thinking about things that will happen 10 years from now. It's going to happen now. Martha said, I know my brother will rise at the rapture. Jesus said, no, I'm the resurrection and the life. I'm the resurrection. Give me John chapter 4. Acceleration. Acceleration. John chapter 4. Verse 32. But he said to them, I have food to eat, which you do not know. Therefore his disciples said to one another, Has anyone brought him anything to eat? Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Do you not say, look at this. This any scripture I take, I see acceleration there. And I'm praying with you. In the next one year, by next year, November, miracle service, the things God would do in your life to be a wonder to you. He said, do you not say there are still four months and then comes harvest? Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look at the fields for they are already white for harvest. Do you see, do you see acceleration there? Jesus said, farmers are trusting God for harvest in four months. But I'm telling you, the harvest is starting now. That means what others have to wait four months to get, I'm giving it to you now. So, God accelerates you to compensate for lost time. To compensate for delays in your life. That is why children of God must not be overtaken with anxiety. Anxiety. Wait upon God. He is faithful. His timing is the best time. Because his timing always accounts for every delay and every lost time. May the Lord accelerate you. I said, may the Lord accelerate you. I said, may the Lord accelerate you. In the name of Jesus. We are taking the next one. God restores our health. Our health. One of the things Satan attacks in the life of the believer a lot is health. Let's read Jeremiah 30 verse 17. Listen, if you are sick, everything else you have is useless. Everything else you are praying for is useless without good health. If you are not healthy, you can't enjoy your money. You can't enjoy your marriage. There are people married. But they can't enjoy it because they are sick. But the Bible said in Jeremiah, "He said, For I will restore health to you. Say amen to that. I will restore health to you and heal you of your wounds, says the Lord. Because they called you an outcast, saying this is Zion. No one seeks hair. They called you an outcast. It takes good health to live long. Sick people don't live long. So Satan's agent for untimely death is sickness. Is sickness. Today I was talking with a sister of mine. The last time I, I went to the village was February. I met this lady. Only the devil doesn't like that lady. Everybody likes that lady. Very lovely person. She's dead. She's dead. After a short ailment, she's gone. Sickness is the agent of death. If you hate death, you must fight sickness. And sometimes, the devil can attack your health. Go to the hospitals, You you will value health. If you go to the hospitals, just a little, you will be grateful to God, and pray always for health, and never complain unnecessarily. That you wake up and you are fine and healthy, you will just be grateful to God. Satan is attacking people every day. Sickness and diseases. Children are sick all the time. You get a good job, and you are sick. You can't even go to work. You got a good marriage, you are sick. Nothing is working. That God will restore health. If you are under any attack of sickness, I pray with you that God will restore your health. And God will restore your health. And not only physical health. There's another kind of sickness that is more deadly than physical sickness. There's another kind of sickness more dangerous than physical health challenge. And the Bible said God will heal that one also. He said he will heal you of your wounds. Wounds. You know what is wounds? When people hurt you. Sometimes, you see when you have malaria... One week treatment, you'll be fine. Sometimes the worst kind of health challenge, after one month of admission with good medical care, you'll be fine. But when people hurt you, it can stay with you for years. I've I've counseled people who were hurt in their infancy and the pain is still fresh today. Before you judge people, hear their story. Know their history. People have been through, that's what Jesus said, he came to heal the broken-hearted. That people carry a lot of emotional baggages. You know, physical wounds we treat it and it heals. The scars even show physically. But you see, emotional wounds the scar doesn't show. So you will not even know who you are dealing with. You see people looking nice. You don't know what they've been through. But God is able to heal even the wounds of our hearts that nobody can see. When you trust people and they betray you and they treat you bad, their is they hurt you and go away and keep enjoying their life while you suffer, it is not fair at all. That's why God will heal you from it. I will restore to you health and heal you of your wounds, says the Lord, because they called you an outcast. Restoration is taking place in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, your joy will be restored. Your hope will be restored. Your faith will be restored. Because God will restore to you that which the enemy has stolen. To render you sick for life, God will restore you. In Jesus' name. I see somebody, you are going to be free. Nobody has a right to occupy a place in your heart. Your heart is too precious for some foolish people to come and occupy there. God is going to heal you. God is going to touch your heart to let some foolish people go so that God can bless you. Because, listen to me, some of the people who hurt you thought they were destroying you. One day they're going to see you. Yesterday I was preaching in a church. I was talking about Joseph. The day Joseph looked at his brothers and said, I am Joseph, the brothers almost died of heart attack. A day is coming. I prophesy to you. Somebody thought he's destroyed you. They will see you somewhere. And they'll be so ashamed. Shame alone will kill them. Shame alone will kill them. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Yeah. God will heal you. The reason why Satan uses people to hurt you is because he knows how strong emotional pains, how detrimental it can be to you. Sometimes the people you trust most, they just betray you and stab you in the back. But God will restore to you. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Yeah, God will restore your glory. Your dignity, your blessing. That which they thought they thought they were doing it to destroy you. God will use it to elevate you and to bless you and to promote you in the name of Jesus. Lift up your two hand and say, My Father. My father. I pray over my life. I pray pray over my my life. Every attack of of the devil against my health. Against my health. I destroy it. I destroy it in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, I receive healing. I receive healing in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, healing to my body. Healing to my body. Healing in every area of my life. Healing in every area of my life. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, I receive healing. I receive healing. I receive healing. I receive healing in every area of my life. In every area of my life. In my spirit. In my spirit. In my soul. In my soul. In my body. In my body. It is written in your word. It is written in your word. You restore health to me. You restore health to. me. Restore health to my body. In the name of Jesus. Jesus. Restore health to my body. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Jesus. God will restore your health. You know, the book of Psalm 103, verse 4. Give me Psalm 103, verse 4. Verse 5. It said, Who satisfies your mouth with good things, so that your youth is renewed like The eagles. You know, this scripture means that even if you are old, you can still be as healthy like a young man. But when you are not even old, and already every five minutes, my waist, every week, my ribs, my hair, my hair. You are a young guy. You can't walk for one kilometer by yourself. You have to stop five times on the way and rest and take water before you do one kilometer and you are in your 30s, you need this prayer. Some people can't work from morning 8 to 5. Oh, did we talk of war? Hey, I'm tired. Oh, I'm dying. Why won't you be poor? So that your youth is renewed like the eagle. The eagle is a strong bird. It flies altitudes, no other bird can fly. And yet doesn't feel tired or dizzy. May the Lord give you strength like that of the ego. Amen. Exodus 23, verse 25. I'm praying for you. Amen. That you will not spend your precious money on medical bills. Amen. Sometimes, like when you don't have money, you are healthy. When you get small money. Then sickness, say, I'm here. Then you go and spend all the money at the hospital and the pharmacy shop. When the money is finished, then you are fine. That is the devil. But God is going to give you good health. Amen. In the name of Jesus. Amen. You will not earn your money and spend it on medicine upon medicine. He shall restore health to you. Amen. In Jesus' name. Amen. In Jesus' name. Amen. He says, so you shall serve the Lord your God, and he will bless your bread and your water, and I will take sickness away from the midst of you. Amen. He said, if you serve God, he will bless your bread and water. That means your food. I've come to realize that good health is always related to good food. So may the Lord bless you so that you can eat good food. Amen. Now, good food is not only the kind of food you eat. It also has to do with where you eat. Where you eat. What you eat. The number one channel of sickness is food. If you can take control over your food, you can control your health. So it's not everything you must eat in this life. Amen. Amen. Let's go to Psalm 91, verse 5. He said, you shall not be afraid of the terror by night, nor of the arrow that flies by day. My emphasis on verse 6. He said, nor of the pestilence that walks in darkness. The word pestilence means incurable diseases. Uh, I want you to give me NLT, probably. He said, do not dread the disease that stalks in darkness, nor the disaster that strikes at midday. In the nights, there are diseases that stalk. They understand to stalk, to move around looking for possible targets. That's the word I was looking for. To move around looking for potential targets. Diseases of the night sent by the devil. You shall not be the target of strain diseases. Amen. In the name of Jesus. Amen. You see, a strain disease is the one that doctors look at you and say, we don't even know what is wrong with you. All the tests we did, today maybe is this, tomorrow is that, tomorrow is this, tomorrow is that. They give you medication. You take, when you are taking the medication, now the thing is even getting worse. I pray the covering of God over your life. Amen. May the Lord restore your health. Amen. May the Lord restore your health. Amen. It's our assets and our wealth. The Bible said in the book of Job, chapter 20, verse 15. Job 20, verse 15. He said, He swallows down riches. And vomit them up again. God cast them out of his belly. Any demonic power that has swallowed your riches. May the Lord put pressure on their belly. Amen. So that they can vomit it out. Amen. In the name of Jesus. Amen. We direct the fire of God into the belly of any demon, any devils, any witch or wizard. Listen. Who, wherever your money is hiding, it must be released. If you see any family that is poor today, Satan stole all the riches in that family. Yes. Every family originally is blessed. Amen. Every family is rich, Amen. but the devil invaded some families and took all the riches away. Job forty-two, verse ten. Can we read it together? Ready, go. And the Lord restored Job's losses when he prayed for his friends. Indeed, the Lord gave Job twice as much as he had before. Amen. Amen. And the Lord restored Job's losses. May the Lord restore all your losses. Amen. In the name of Jesus. Amen. You are going to read this scripture and you are going to put your name there. Because it is no more... Job, it is you now. The Lord is about to restore all your losses. Amen. And you will get more than what you lost. Amen. And better than what you lost. Amen. And greater than what you lost. Amen. In the name of Jesus! Amen. The people who took what you have, if they knew you were going to get a better one, they should have left you with that one. Verse 11. Then all his brothers, all his sisters, And all those who had been his acquaintances before came to him and ate food with him in his house. And they consoled him and comforted him for all the adversity that the Lord had brought upon him. Each one gave him a piece of silver and each a ring of gold. Now the Lord blessed the latter days of Job more than his beginning. That will be your story. For he had... 14,000 sheep, 6,000 camels, 1,000 yoke of oxen, 1,000 female donkeys. He also had seven sons and three daughters. And he called the name of the first Jemima, the name of the second Kezia, the name of the third Karen. In all the land were, no, were found no women so beautiful as the daughters of Job, like Job. His children were more beautiful than any girl in the whole of the land. And their father gave them an inheritance among their brothers. After this, Job lived 140 years and saw his children and grandchildren for four generations. That will be your story. Amen. (laughs) Satan didn't plan it this way for Job. Satan wanted Job to die of frustration. But God will not allow it. Amen. And I want to prophesy to you that you will not die in frustrations. Amen. What you are going through is a setup for glory and for testimony. Amen. What you are going through is a setup for greater things. Amen. In the name of Jesus. Amen. In the name of Jesus. Amen. If you go to the book of Job, chapter 1, you will see how this whole thing. Played. Verse 12. Um, and the Lord said to Satan, behold, all that he has is in your power. Only do not lay a hand on his person. So Satan went up. See, so God allowed what Job went through. Why did God allow it? Because God wanted to give him bigger and better and greater and make his life a testimony. God said, Satan, I give you permission. Go and attack him. But it will amount to nothing. The reason why Job's predicament lasted for nine months was because he did not even have a clue what was going on. Job thought it was God who had decided to punish him. If Job knew the thing you and I will know today, this problem should not have lasted for nine months. And his friends didn't know any better. In the day of crisis, the worst thing that can happen to you when you don't have good friends. When you don't have friends who know how to pray, stand with you and pray. Look at what happened, verse 13. Now there was a day when his sons and daughters were eating and drinking wine in their oldest brother's house. And a messenger came to Job and said, The oxen were ploughing, and the donkeys feeding beside them. Then when the Sabians raided them and took them away, indeed, they have killed the servants with the edge of the sword, and I alone have escaped to tell you. Satan made sure everybody died except one, the messenger, who must come and tell the story. Verse 17. While he was still speaking, another also came and said, The Chaldeans formed three bands, raided the camels, and took them away. Yes, and killed the servants with the edge of the sword. And I alone have escaped to tell you. As usual, only one was left to come and tell the story. While he was still speaking, another also came and said, Your sons and daughters were eating and drinking wine in their oldest brother's house. And suddenly a great wind came from across the wilderness and struck the four corners of the house and it fell on the young people and they are dead. And I alone have escaped to tell you. Like a wind blew and pulled down the house and the house and the building and the walls collapsed on everybody inside. Everybody died. One escaped. Then Job arose, tore his robe and shaved his head and fell to the ground and worshipped. But he never prayed. He never prayed. When his friends came, they never prayed. The whole book of Job, his arguments. The friends said, Job, such a thing doesn't happen to righteous people. You have sinned. Confess your sin and that God will forgive you. And Job too was arguing, I have not sinned. I have not done anything wrong. God is not fair to me. Yeah. Never get in an argument with God. Are you hearing me? He can never be unrighteous. Never get into an argument with God. When you find yourself in any situation, just remember all the time he's on your side. He can never be against you. Don't take a stand against God. Oh, no, take a stand against the enemy. Yeah. But you say, oh, God, so where was God when it was happening? He's there. He's there. And if he allowed it, he has a plan in it. Look at 42, chapter 42, verse 11. Everything began to come back. Everything began to come back. I see everything coming back for you. Amen. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Receive it now. I receive it. Receive it now. I receive it. Every lost opportunity restoration is coming now. Amen. I said, restoration is coming now. Amen. Every lost blessings. I see restoration coming now. Amen. Receive it now. Amen. Receive it it now. I receive In the name of Jesus. Amen. Every lost blessings. Every lost assets. Every lost blessings. I see restoration coming to you now. Amen. Receive it now. I receive Lift up to and say in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, I command the immediate release. I command the immediate release of my money. Of my, my money. Of my prosperity. Of my prosperity. And of my riches. And of, of my riches. In the, of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. I command the immediate release. I command the immediate release of my breakthrough. Of my breakthrough. And my blessing. And my blessing. In the name of Jesus. In the name of- of- Father, I pray for your people. I pray for your people. Somebody shout and say, "I walk in favor." I walk in favor. Somebody shout and say, "I live in favor." I live in favor. May be so in your life. May favor bring you that which money cannot buy. May favor bring you that which your human effort can never acquire. May favor bring you that which your human strength can never achieve. May favor bring you that which your qualification can never give you. Favor 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 upon your life may the favor of God prevent you from lack amen. from lack amen. that because of favor may you never lack amen. because of favor may you never lack amen. may you walk in abundance Amen. may you walk in abundance amen. in the name of Jesus amen. I pray by your life that the favor of God will bring strategic people amen into your life. Amen. People connected to your destiny. Amen. Strategic people. People of wealth and substance. Amen. People of dignity and character. Amen. People who have the key to your next level. Amen. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for favor. Everybody open your mouth and thank him for the favor. Thank him for favor. May you enjoy the experience, that experience of a supernatural shift in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. I pray divine acceleration in your finances. Every prophetic word spoken this month, may it manifest speedily in your life. Whatever you have lost, be supernaturally restored in the name of Jesus. blessed by today's message. You can contact Reverend Hubert on 030-340-7970 or 24 Remain blessed.